You're listening to Abstinence After Sex. Hello, you guys. Thank you for tuning in to Abstinence After Sex. My name is Bethany, and I am really excited about today's podcast because, y'all, I just got some stuff for myself, and it's awesome when I can get things for myself out of this podcast because... The Lord is working on Bethany. <laughs> so we're going to dive right into it. Today, we're going to talk about the life of Peter. Well, not the life of Peter, but we're going to talk about like a turning point with Peter. So Peter is one of Jesus's 12 disciples. But before Peter even became a disciple, Peter was a fisherman by trade. Like that was his life. That's how he earned his money. He was a fisherman. He met Jesus while he was fishing. He was out there fishing and he didn't catch any fish and Jesus came up on the shore and was like did you catch any fish and Peter was like no and so Jesus was like all right drop your nets on the right side so that's Peter listened to him not knowing who Jesus was he was just like all right let me just do this so he dropped his nets and then all these fish came into his nets and Peter was like oh my goodness you are the Lord and stuff and he just decided to drop everything and follow Jesus now Peter was one of the three disciples that were like really close to Jesus like Jesus had 12 disciples but there were three people who primarily saw all of his miracles who walked with Jesus who he made sure that he had I guess separate time with with Jesus and Peter was one of one of the people that walked with Jesus he was the person that walked on water you hear about Jesus walking on water there was another disciple that walked on water with Jesus that was Peter um he was told by Jesus that he would be the person that Jesus would build his church on like Peter was really blessed he was really he was really called to follow Christ and to help Christ win lost souls. Also, Peter had an anger, anger issues, so Peter was not perfect. It's important that we know that everybody in the Bible is not perfect, but Peter was not perfect. He had anger issues. When they were trying to arrest Jesus, he cut off somebody's ear. Like, Peter was a gangster. <laughs> Peter was a gangster out here. He was, he was doing things, but he had anger issues, and... Peter really loved Jesus. I, you have to love somebody to give up your whole being of life. Like imagine somebody, imagine somebody coming to your job doing some something miraculous, and you're like, okay, whatever. I'm leaving everything. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving my place of work just to follow this one person. Peter loved Jesus, and yet Peter denied Jesus, and that's really important that we know that. So the part of Peter's life that we're going to focus on today is in John 21, John chapter 21. And I really do believe that this is one of the major turning points in Peter's life. So this is one of the last times that Jesus appears to his disciples. So I'm going to read John 21 verse 1 through 17 for you guys. Later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing all night. 
At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore, for they were only about a 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish, said Jesus. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated his question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I know that was a long scripture, but... It was important that you heard every last word of that. Just so you get the context of where we are in the Bible, Jesus has already died. This was after his resurrection, and this was the last time that he showed up to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So just so you get some context. So I'm going to go through the scripture, and I'm also going to tell you some of the challenges that I'm facing with. But I'm going to go through the scripture verse by verse so that you don't just read it or you don't or you don't just hear it from the surface of the story. I want you to be able to apply it to your life. So this is how I was able to apply it to my life. At a very young age, before even puberty, I was introduced to sex in the world of premarital sex. If you listen to my past podcast, it was probably like the first podcast, I told you that the first time that I actually had physical sex was at like 15, but I was introduced to sex way before then. I learned what masturbation was from the daughters of a woman that my dad was dating years ago. And they also introduced me to porn. And one of the greatest lessons that they wanted me to get was that all of this, everything that they were showing me, everything that we did had to be a secret. And that secrecy is what kept me in the cycle of sexual sin. In middle school, I would come home and almost every day y'all, I would be watching porn. Like, I would get home early, right before my mom got home, and I would watch porn. And I would do that, and I would hide it, because they taught me it had to be a secret. 
everything had to be a secret what i was doing had to be a secret and sin is like fungi like it grows its best when it's in darkness when it's in secrecy after i started having sex i still watched porn but i watched it like a little less but i was still in like the cycle of sin like i was still practicing premarital sex in some way shape or form either i was watching porn or i was having sex with somebody and when I say the cycle of sin, like a lot of people might not understand what, what I'm saying, so I'm gonna explain that. So the cycle of sin is basically just like a system set up by Satan. Like we have to understand that Satan is not stupid. He's he's actually very smart. If you listen to the last podcast, you know that Satan was one of God's angels. We have to remember that Satan is not just some some random monster that we like to portray him as. Like Satan was very beautiful. Satan is smart. Satan is Satan is Satan. <laughs> I don't know what to say. One of the things that we have to understand also about Satan is that he's not omnipresent like God. And omnipresent means that he can be in different places at once. God is omnipresent. He can be he can be with you and with me at the same time. He's omnipresent. Satan is not omnipresent. And because he knows that about himself, he has to set up systems or cycles for us nine times out of ten at a very young age so that we can continue to be in that circle of sin. So even if he's not there to actually tempt us, he'll leave little things in our paths so that we can stay in that cycle of sin, if that makes sense. I really hope this makes sense to you. It's something that our flesh likes, and it's something of pleasure. And that's what keeps us going for it. I was introduced to masturbation by a girl that was older than me, and I kept going back to it because it was a sense of pleasure in it. Like, we're not going to keep going back to something that we don't get at least an instant pleasure from because our flesh likes it. The reason why you might keep smoking, the reason why you might keep drinking, the reason why you might binge watch TV or something is because you, you get instant pleasure from it. And so we are kept in that cycle of sin, and Satan knows that because it's pleasurable, it's instant, and it's easy to access. Porn nowadays is like really easy to access. You can get it in a matter of 10 seconds I don't, or faster, depending on how your Wi-Fi work. <laughs> it's been almost a year, y'all, and last week I watched porn. And I, did, I guess I stopped watching it because, not because I gave it to God or because it was something that was spiritual to me. I just didn't have a desire to watch it. And last week that desire came back. It was something that I thought I was done with and it came crawling back into my life. And I know I'm not the only person that deals with stuff like that. You might've been like, oh, I thought I got rid of that or I thought I was finished with that or I thought I got over this situation but it kept crawling back. So it can be in the form of an addiction. It can be in the form of like a habit. It can be in the form of a person, honestly. Like you can be like, I thought I was done with him, but he keeps coming back into my life. Or I thought I was done with that type of person. In the scripture, Peter goes back to his old habit. Peter was a fisherman. After Jesus dies and things die down in the community, his first well, one of his first reactions, I guess, when they're out in the open is to go back to his old habits, which was fishing. And I love that Peter's habit was not sin. Going fishing is not a sin. Having a job is not a sin. And I think that's what we kind of confuse, like, oh, well, I'm not sinning. I'm not doing this. But whatever you're giving the majority of your time to, the majority of your energy to, 
all of that energy should be to God. And if you're not giving that energy or time or dedication to God, then you're not doing the right thing. It's taking you away from God. So it's very important that we know that Peter went back to his old habit, but his his habit was not sin. Another thing that we should note is that after Peter says, I'm going fishing, some other disciples say, yeah, I'm going with you. That's really important because we can be in church and we can be around the right people, but we can still be doing the same things that we were doing in our past life. And while they were out in that boat together, him and the disciples, the followers of Christ, they were all together doing a, doing a habit of the past. The next verse says that they caught nothing. So they're fishing for things and they're catching nothing. You're probably fishing for something. You're fishing for pleasure and you get instant pleasure in that moment but you come up with nothing it leaves you with nothing so before we get deeper into the turning point of Peter's life we have to examine how Peter even got to that point like how did he even turn to go back to fishing or go back to his old habit one of the last major things that we see Peter do in the bible is deny Jesus he denies knowing Jesus three times to three different people (laughs) And you might be saying, well, I don't tell people I don't know God. I tell people all the time I'm a Christian and all that stuff. And you might not deny Jesus with your words. Like you might not say I don't follow Jesus or I'm not a Christian. But we deny Jesus with our actions. We deny Jesus by not giving godly advice to say we have a girlfriend and we know The person she's going back to is not the right person. Or we know the situation she's about to get into is not the right situation. And we don't say anything at all. Not saying anything is not giving godly advice. Or if we know she's in a situation and we tell her to take the petty road. And then in that instance, we're denying Christ. We're denying that Jesus was ever in our life, that we ever walked with Jesus because we're giving the wrong advice. We deny Christ. When someone says, oh, girl, you is something different about you. You carry yourself different. We deny him by just saying, oh, thank you. Instead of saying, girl, it's Jesus. See, we feel as though we can't evangelize or we can't tell people about Christ because we think that we have to be up on the podium saying, surrender yourselves, sinners. Like, no, you can say you can live your life and still tell people about Christ. There are people that look at you and say, oh, she's doing something different about her life. She's carrying herself different. She is something about her. And when they ask you to say it's Jesus and keep it pushing, what you did was sow the seed. You sowed the seed of, oh, she she gave credit to Jesus. Like what, what? Like people don't do that. By doing that, you are not denying Christ and you are sowing a seed for somebody else. You can evangelize daily on a daily basis, but we deny Christ. We also deny Christ by by going against our words. So somebody could be like, girl, I thought you said you don't drink anymore. Or I thought you said you were celibate or something, something, something. And we deny Christ by saying, oh, girl, God knows my heart. Right then and there, you just denied Christ ever walking with you. It's the little things, y'all. It's the little things that we do daily. The little things that we do and we deny Christ daily. And I'm not innocent. I do this myself. Like when I first started dating my boyfriend, I told him I was celibate and stuff. And 
we still had sex and he was like i thought you said you were celibate and stuff and i was like uh like <laughs> i just brushed it off but the thing that we don't get is that by denying christ we don't just hurt ourselves and we don't just hurt hurt jesus's feelings because we are hurting him by denying him don't ever think that god doesn't have feelings but when we deny christ we're not hurting us we're not just hurting ourselves we're not just hurting christ we're also hurting the person that we're supposed to be witnessing to my boyfriend i'm probably like one of the main people one of the main christians that my boyfriend is around and by me not going with my word and telling him oh i'm celibate and not sticking to it and his mind in the back of his mind he's like oh is this what christians do like they don't stick to their word or they do what they want to do when they want to do it like and you might be doing something that people are watching you do it and they're like oh is that what christians do she said she was a christian but she walking around gossiping she doing this she doing that like she's she's out here in the club being drunk out of her mind. But she just told me that she was a Christian. Your example may be the only introduction that someone has to getting to know Christ. Are you giving off a first good impression? So, yes, Peter was wrong in denying Jesus. But Peter denied Jesus out of fear for his life. We deny Jesus out of fear of opinion. You choose not to talk about Jesus because you're scared about what others might think of you. It's just food for thought. In the next verse, they went fishing and caught nothing. Jesus shows up on shore and he tells them to throw their nets on the side and they catch a whole bunch of fish. If you remember, I told you when Jesus first met Peter, he told him to do this very, the very exact same thing. And the very exact same thing happened. He told him to throw his nets into the water and a whole bunch of fish came in there. Sometimes Jesus has to repeat a blessing or repeat a lesson so that we can get it in our heads that he is God. Sometimes we had like Jesus has to literally be remedial with us. Like he has to. He has to like, all right, they went back to their old habit. Let me, let me do what I already did for them so that they can really get this lesson. There are some things that you're going over and over again. You keep repeating the same thing over and over again. That's because God's trying to teach you the same lesson. And it's time to learn the lesson so that we can move on to the next thing so that you can get off of that boat. You're still on that boat trying to catch these fish and God's still trying to show you over and over again he still delivers you over and over again but instead of doing what Peter did so that Pete they caught the fish and what's the first thing Peter did he jumped off of the boat and swam to Jesus our thing is we stay on the boat and stay out in the water we don't even pull the boat in we'll he'll give us a miracle we're like oh thank you Jesus Thank you. He got me out of this. Woo. But we're still in the water. We didn't go after him after he just delivered us from that situation. And that's the reason why we keep having to go through the same thing over and over again. The same cycle. The same cycle of sin. We ha keep having to go over and over and over again because we choose to stay out in the water and we don't go to follow him. So next... What's the next thing that happens? So Peter does the right thing. He jumps off the boat and he runs to Jesus. He goes to follow Jesus. The next, in the next verse, it says that breakfast was waiting for them. It was fish and some bread. 
And it also says that Jesus served them their breakfast. Y'all, the thing that they were looking for, the thing that they were searching for and looking for all night, the fish, Jesus was cooking on the beach. The pleasure that you're looking for, Jesus already has, and he wants to serve it to you, and he has it prepared for you, but you have to get off of that boat. You have to run to him. What, like, what, what cracks me up about God is a lot of times he, let us, he lets us go through things so that we can learn the lesson on ourselves. So Jesus, he's God. He could have prepared that meal before they even went out to go fishing. Like, he could have been there on the beach and said, hey, y'all, I already got, I already cooked some fish. We don't need to go out fishing today. But no, he allowed, he, he just let them go back to their old habits and back to what they thought that they needed. Sometimes God allows you to go through things so that we can show ourselves that it's not working. We're like, uh, well, I just got to see it myself. I got to know if this is going to work out. I know that the Bible says I'm not supposed to be chasing after money and stuff, but let me just hustle a little bit. Let me just let me just do this a little bit and see if it'll work out. But Jesus already had it prepared. Jesus already has everything that you're looking for. He already has prepared for you. It's just timing. It's just you waiting. Patience is important. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. So while they was out there sweating and being disappointed, Jesus was on the beach cooking for them, and they didn't even know it. They out there looking for fish, and Jesus already cooking fish for them on the shore. Think about that. You out there looking for something. You out there looking for money. You out there looking for a husband. You out there looking for something to make you happy. And Jesus already on shore. He already got it for you. It's just your choice if you want it or not. If you want to follow him and get off of that boat and let go of what you're holding on to and follow him. I think some of the reasons why we don't get off of our boats, our bad habits, is because we like it. It's a gamble. When the fishermen fish, it's a gamble. Like, they throw their nets out. They're not sure if they're going to catch fish or not, but it's just the thrill of, like, maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. Like, it's the thrill. And that's what we get out of our addiction. People get addicted to gambling because of the thrill of not knowing what to expect. It's the unexpected. That's what that's what thrills them. And it's the possibility of winning, not winning itself, but the possibility of winning. That's why they keep going. That's why, like, people log on to Facebook almost like 20 times a day because it's a gamble it's like oh will I have a notification will I win and see a funny video on Facebook real quick it's it's like you keep going back to the same habit and it doesn't have to be a bad habit that's what I'm trying to stick into your mind like it does not have to be a bad habit but if you give more energy give more time give more sight give more love give anything of yourself give all of yourself to something other than God it's not okay just like that something that's so small can become an addiction Jesus is the only thing or only person only entity in which we can give ourselves give all of ourselves give all of our energy and it multiplies tenfold 
And it affects not just us, but it affects the people around us. It, it affects generations and it has eternal effects. And I hear, I hear somebody saying, well, what about money? Like I can invest my money in something and they give me money tenfold and stuff. Yes. Yes. Okay. So what about those people that had millions of dollars and committed suicide? Ask them why that didn't make them happy. It feels good. Like I'm not, I'm not immune to it. I love instant pleasure. We all do, but we have to learn how to say no to things. If it's going to take priority over God, God wants us to have money. God wants us to have freedom. God wants us to have sex. God wants us to have happiness, but he doesn't want that stuff to have us. He doesn't want us to worship that over him. The last thing that we read in the verse is when Jesus is like, Simon, do you love me? Simon Peter, do you love me? When Jesus is like, Peter, do you love me? And he asks him three times and Peter's like, yes, I love you. <laughs> like his feelings is hurt. When God asks a question, he's not asking for his clarification. When God ever asks you a question, he's asking for your clarification. God knows everything. God, Jesus knew that Peter loved him. So whenever you, God is asking you a question or whenever you read the Bible and God is asking a question, it's not for his clarification. It's for the person he's asking. So Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I do love you. And Jesus's response is, then feed my sheep. What does that mean, you guys? Jesus is not talking about, like, go out and go feed my actual sheep. Like, he, <laughs> he not talking about that. When he says feed my sheep, he's talking about give the gospel to others, meaning spread the word about Jesus to other people. Don't keep it to yourself. I think what's so amazing about this and the lesson that we need to learn from this is that Jesus could have said anything to Peter. He could have addressed the fact that they were out there fishing and that they caught nothing. He could have said, look at y'all, y'all out there doing nothing. Y'all out there catching nothing. But instead of doing that, what's so amazing about God is that he saw that they were in their bad habit. I'm sorry, you guys. You know I'm emotional. He saw that they were doing their old habits and he didn't address that he blessed them not only did he bless them but he fed them and he served them he gave them the food and the next thing that he tells them to do is just do what i did for you do these to other people give to other people serve to other people give them life there are so many people out here who don't know about Jesus and don't know about his love and they're searching, they're fishing, they're out there looking. They're out there looking for something. That's why people drink. That's why people smoke so much. That's because they're looking for pleasure. They're looking for love. That's why people go into abusive relationships and they go out and they have sex with different people on Tinder and stuff. People they did that they don't even know because they're looking for love. They think, oh, no, I just want to have fun. I'm just having pleasure. But no, deep down, we're looking for love. And Jesus is like, just give them what I gave you. Give them love. Give them Christ. So if you're dealing with addiction, 
the thing that Jesus wants you to do is teach others about him. And I know that might not make sense. But when we look at addicts, like drug addicts, recovering drug addicts, some of the ways that they stay sober is that they help other drug addicts. One of the best ways that you can learn a lesson is by teaching others that lesson. And not in a vindictive way, but out of a way of love, out of a spirit of love. And you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm still dealing with it. Um, I feel like I need to handle myself first before I go out and help other people. And that probably is the, and that's probably the problem. You're so busy trying to fix yourself. First off, Jesus is the only one that can fix you. You're so busy trying to help yourself and you're staying isolated. The word says that it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm reading this this devotional called Porn, Porn Kills Love by Brian Goins, I think. Brian Gorn, Gorns, I hope that I said his name right. But it's on the, the Bible app, and it's called Porn Kills Love, if you want to actually look at it and read it. But one of the things that he says that really hit my, he says a couple of things, but one of the things that he says that really hit my heart is that secrecy is the power of addiction. So you're thinking, oh, I need to handle this by myself. I need to fix myself before I tell anybody else or before I try to help somebody else. You need to tell someone about your problems. The reason why you're in this cycle of addiction, and you might not call it addiction, but that's what it is, baby. The Bible says in James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, and you will be healed. You are not getting better by keeping this to yourself, by hiding this in secret, by keeping it secret. You're not helping yourself. You're not healing yourself. Sometimes we mess ourselves up because we think, oh, let's just pray about it. But we, we don't bring it to somebody else that can pray for us. We just pray about it for ourselves. Like we just, we don't even bring it to our pastor. We don't bring it to our, our um, accountability people. We just pray for ourselves. We're like, oh, Jesus, help me with this. But the Bible says, pray for each other and you will be healed. Healing comes from accountability and prayer with others, you guys. It is so important that you get this. It is so important that you drill this into your head. Like, that's where your healing comes from. It's not from somebody laying their hands on you. Like, yes, that's that's good. It's not from you going to the altar. Yes, that's nice too. But the Bible tells you how to be healed. So in order for you to get over this addiction, you have to confess it to somebody else. You have to tell somebody else. Another point that Brian gives is that we have to confess even our thoughts. He brings up in Matthew 5, 28, how Jesus says that even if we think about something, just simply thinking about it makes it a sin. So we have to confess our thoughts. Think about it for a second. How would your life change if instead of you asking for someone to pray for you because you already committed a sin? How would your life change if you ask somebody to pray for you because you're thinking about committing a sin? If you confess the thought itself, you're less likely to do the actual action. And that is how we kill the cycle of sin. I told you I was so excited about this message because... I'm dealing with my own sins. I'm dealing with my own bad habits. 
and God giving this to me, I know that this is going to change my life drastically. I've been dealing with sexual sin all my life, you guys, primarily all my life. And the feeling of just being able to be free of something that you've been dealing with and you've been hiding to be free of that is wouldn't give this to anybody. So I pray that you take this and you use this and it frees you from whatever you're dealing with. I love you so much and I can't wait to see what God helps us with next week. I'll talk to you on the next show. Peace.